Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my goal to bring you top-notch guests that are going to give you just tons of knowledge nuggets each week, and I don't think I'm going to disappoint you today. So let me introduce our guest. So today I have with me Catherine Porth, the founder of Let Her Speak, a company that curates women-empowered events, conducts female-focused research, and develops communication-centric education. Catherine's mission is to bring more visibility and support to all women in business, and she believes that through community research and education, more women will rise to leadership positions. Today, she joins us to discuss the importance of sponsoring women in the workplace. Catherine, I am so excited to see you again. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. So I always like to start our podcast because I think connections are so important, right? And I think it's important that people understand that when you meet someone and you know of someone else that might be a good connection, it's really important to introduce them. So I'm curious, do you remember who introduced us? I was trying to remember because I think we were introduced through a couple lines of introductions I got. So I was trying to remember if it was, um, I, it wasn't Meg? Close. It was okay. Berta Medina. It was Berta. That's right. Because Berta introduced me to Meg and to you at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and Berta is like an introduction machine. We've had Berta on the podcast. We love her. She's an adventure life coach and she's just absolutely amazing. Anytime I'm with her or if I'm emailing her, I'm always like, Berta, Berta. I'm her biggest cheerleader. Uh, yeah, yeah, I call her my uh, my business connection fairy godmother. Aw, that is such a good title for her. I'm going to tell her that next time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she knows. She knows, too. Does I she? remind her often. Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. So um, thank you for sharing that because, you know, it's like a spider web, right? It's like, you know, this person connects this person who connects this person who connects this person. And I just love it. I, you know, I keep like, I'm about to develop this whole spreadsheet of my connections and I can't wait to see what it looks like when I'm done. There's got to be some way I can graph it. I'm, I'm an accountant. I should know how to do that. There are websites out there that you can actually graphically put together your spider web of connections. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh my. Okay, we're done. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> Network mapping um, is the technical term for it. Oh, I'm so doing that tonight. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, yeah. so for those of you out there who are a geek like me and apparently like Catherine that want to trace your network relationships, it's network mapping. 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 That's not even a word. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, if you make a mistake, just go with it, you know? Go with it, So we are here to talk about you today and talk about your organization that you founded. And so tell us a little bit more about Let Her Speak and what inspired you to create it. 
Yeah, uh, so Leonard's Speak was a happy accident. I did not set out to start a organization at all. Uh, a couple of years ago, I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee from Iowa. And as I was trying to meet new people, as you do when you move into a new city and you don't know anybody, uh, I was realizing that there was a, a definite gap in how you get to know people. Um, a lot of um, events don't really allow you to truly get to know someone. And because I have a background in sales and business development, the main reason I was successful in that was not because I had the best, I was you know, working with the best products in the world because there's a ton of products that are all equally amazing. It was because of the connections that I made with the people that knew me and, and knew my history and knew my story. And that's why they wanted to work with me and continue to work with me. So I came to the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center with an idea for a new format of bridging connections across multiple industries and demographics of women um, because I felt like that was one of the starting points was that women supporting women is where it starts for all of us to rise up into more um, leader positions but that could be either in the community or that could be in your business or it could be growing a business to the point where you have employees and so you are um, no longer a solopreneur so um, the idea was to instead of focusing so much on like tactical advice and, and expertise and these are the top five things to be doing in you know social media marketing it was instead focusing on a woman's story and why she does what she does what propels her to pursue this passion that she has um, and connecting with that woman's story and therefore then you start connecting with the work that she actually does and so the first event that we did in 2018 was just mainly meant to be a one-time event just to see if it worked but it ended up being so successful and and we sold out and we had such a huge amount of positive feedback from it that i decided to just keep going and and see what this could be um, and through a lot of my own research that i do so we collect a lot of our own data and a lot of our own feedback but then i also research into like academic journals and a lot of other research sources I was uncovering these areas where um, women weren't quite being served or, or it wasn't a holistic approach to how I feel the issue of women lacking in upper leadership positions um, and, and how we need to really tackle that issue. So this year I stepped away from my full-time work of, of helping and, and developing a uh, tech startup here in Knoxville and working on their sales and marketing and overall growth strategy, I decided to give my full attention to let her speak. So no longer is it just a event that we put on every year or several events that we put on every year. We now also focus on um, doing our state of mind for women in business research study that we kicked off this year. We're developing and building out the amount of content that we generate that is woman story focused that um, goes in depth into what a woman is facing, what she's feeling, women from all types of walk of life, because we're really trying to focus especially on marginalized groups of women. And the third part and component is the cohort education programming that we're now developing that we're hoping to launch next year. Wow. <laughs> that 
happy accident has gotten you to where you are today. Um, that is amazing. And I am just so thrilled that you were able to step away from your, I guess, corporate job, right? Because, and so am I hearing you correctly? So Let Her Speak was like a side hustle for a while? Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't even, it was just a passion project, honestly. It was just something that I felt like needed to exist in the world. And um, if not me, then who was, was mm. essentially what went across my mind. So I I decided, well, I'm going to develop and design this thing and see what happens. And, and people absolutely loved it. And it seemed the timing was right. Everything fell into place. Um, while I was starting this, I was actually getting my MBA at the same time. So I was trying to juggle so many things at once. <laughs> um, and But now I'm at a, a more, uh, I, I now understand fully what Let Her Speak needs to be. And I told myself, I, I'm not going to step away fully from the, the full-time job I was doing until I knew what my vision was going to be for this. And then I had a clear path of where I was going to go. That is so amazing. And I just want to hit on something that you said that I think is so important. And that's that you had a vision, but you also, it was your passion project, right? So a passion project is something you do just because you love to do it, right? Right. How amazing is it if you can make a living off your passion project? Oh, yeah. No, I feel incredibly fortunate that I get to do this. I know. Um, you know, that's my goal is to help people find what they're passionate about so they never have to work a day in their life. Do you feel like you work? Not really. Um, I mean, the only time that I feel like I'm working is when I need to work on social media content. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can outsource that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm working on is uh, outsourcing part of that. But as you're building this, you kind of have to wear all the hats and tell you. Because if, if I can't figure it out and, and explain it to somebody else and, and give it to them, then I feel like I'm doing them a disservice. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's the only part where I'd like where I'm like, oh, this is this is not fun for me right now. But um, but, you know, I, I do it and, and it ends up actually being somewhat fun in the creative process side of things. Well, that is so awesome. And I'm so glad you said that. We just had a whole episode about finding your passion. And I just want to keep drilling that in that it is so important that you figure out what it is you want to do and somehow figure out a way to make money at it. Right. Um, right. <laughs> So I'm curious, well, let me ask you this next question and then I'll come back to my curiosity, try to stay on track here. <laughs> so what does it mean to sponsor a woman in the workplace and not just mentor her? Yeah, so um, I mean, this is a, a concept that uh, depending on what's going on in the world, sometimes it's heavily talked about, but then I feel like it gets forgotten a lot mm -hmm. of times because we get so ingrained into us this um, idea of, of mentorships and finding mentors and seeking out mentors. And, and really what the definition of a mentor is, is, is someone who is experienced in the line of work that, that you want to do that can help you understand some of the, the main things that you need to know. So it's more so like sharing of skills and, and explaining this is the process and this is how it works and, and helping potentially maybe making connections for you potentially, um, but but there's it's a, a little bit more, there's not a lot of proactivity to it um, as there is with sponsorship. Sponsorship means that you are proactively as the sponsor person that raises your hand and says, I will be a sponsor for, for X people, for, for this woman or for this gentleman. 
Um, sponsorship means that you are willing to proactively bring up somebody's name at a table and, and actively root for them to be brought into the organization or to be asked to be the contractor on a, a project and um, versus a mentor is, is more so passive um, where you're helping out, but you're not necessarily taking a huge leadership role in bringing this person into the fold and, and promoting them into the positions that they're searching for. So my curiosity, because I knew that we were going to talk about this, is did someone do that for you? Um, somewhat. Well, yes. Yes and no. Um, in, my, in my corporate, so when I worked in corporate America for a little over 10 years for some pretty big companies, and I definitely did have um, a mixture. I had people that, that did actively bring up my name and, um, and wanted to make sure that, that I was thrown in the ring. Um, but I, and then I had several mentors that, that were more so just guide, guiding lights of explaining to me, this is how this works, or I would recommend you, you know, research this area or build your skill set in this area. Uh, but when I was starting Let Her Speak, it, it's because of the sponsors that I have in this community that I've been able to do what I do. Um, and it was the executive director at the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center, and it was um, a gentleman who actually sits on the board of the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center, but is also an a fairly well-known entrepreneur in the community that were my first two sponsors. I mean, one literally was a financial sponsor um, and then the other one actually is also also um, a fiscal supporter, but then also brought in resources for me, so I didn't have to do it 100% on my own. Um, so yeah, without them, there's there's no way that I would have gotten to this point. Paying it forward, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love like, it. I mean, you're both men too. I mean, that's the most incredible part too. It's it's these two men that really. Um, connected with what my vision and mission was and, and were allies to wanting to help um, as many women as possible rise into more, um, you know, positions of visibility and authority. You know, I'm not surprised that they were men. I, I see that some of women's biggest advocates are men, not other women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's been predominantly my experience is most of my advocates have been my, my male managers and directors. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about, based on your research, what are some of the unspoken challenges that women face in the workplace and how can employers help mitigate these challenges? So there's a huge, there's a very, very long list that, that I could talk about to this topic. Um, but I'll, I'll focus on, you know, predominantly the two of the biggest ones. Um, one of them is, and, and there's a ton of research, there's a ton of articles, you could Google search it or, or look on Google Scholar and there'll be articles about the, the fact that there's a lot of extra uh, activities or um, responsibilities that are put on woman, women in the workplace that are not a part of their job description. They're not measured by any metrics of them, but they are expected to do them purely because of the bias that's associated with the, the type of personalities women have, which are the ones that celebrate the birthdays, that organize the potlucks, that 
um, are, are kind of like the go-to um, when I need uh, to be cheered up or when I need to be pumped up or, or inspired, they, they go to this woman because they know that she's the one that can talk them through it. They're kind of like, she's like the mom at work. Um, and it's all of these extra little things that, you know, they are constantly being added because she's the one that's responsible and she's the one that, that actually cares enough to, to do it. Um, or she's the one that um, knows that she'll follow through. They know they'll follow through with it. So there's all of these extra things that can get completely unseen. Um, a lot of people don't even know about it. Sometimes they go completely thankless for these responsibilities. Um, and then they have to do their actual job on top of all that, that actually has metrics assigned to it, that actually has promotions assigned to it or bonuses or, or any of those things. Um, when all these extra things aren't even usually taken into consideration when it comes time for your, your year end review um, in a lot of organizational cultures. Um, the other aspect though is also, um, you know, relates to um, the, the amount of extra things that women also are doing at home where, you know, they, when they're trying to juggle working full time and, and trying to, and most of the time the um, teaching of, of their children, especially when we're working from home mostly right now, predominantly research has shown for um, the studies that have, and surveys that have gone out this year that the majority of that is falling to the woman in the home. And, and a lot of the, the chores around the house are falling to the woman at, at the home, in addition to all of the extra duties that might be piled on because, well, you're working from home, so you must have a, a lot of time to because you're not commuting anymore. So you can take on more work, right? In addition to, so there's, it predominantly comes down to like this, not, um, it, I think it's a little bit of, the managers and directors maybe not necessarily asking those questions of what is going on beyond the work that that you were hired to do and having very um, authentic and honest conversations with their employees um, but then also women feeling like they can they can actually speak up and and mention these things to their managers without retaliation and without that um, being detrimental to their job that was a lot of information. And I think that it's really interesting that you pointed out that like during this time right now, the specific crazy pandemic time that we're going through, that women are the ones that are mainly responsible for the homeschooling, because that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And as you said that, I was sitting there thinking of several people that I know, I'm like, oh yeah, that is the way it works in that household. I'm not gonna call any names out because I don't want anybody mad at me, but. <laughs> But it's interesting that you say that, and it's, I think it's interesting too that not. I don't want to go on a whole, you know, gender equality thing because I think that you know it, things are changing, and I think women do have the opportunity to rise to the top due to the male sponsorship that we're seeing out there in the workforce. But I think that it, it was a hard transition from the time when the women were at home to where they went full time, and so it's mm -hmm. like they never left any of that baggage behind. That. You know, you're responsible for cleaning the house, you're responsible for the grocery shopping, you're responsible for the cooking, you know, doing the laundry and all that kind of stuff. It just didn't get left behind for a very, very long time. So I can see where that would definitely affect the workplace, like what you're talking about. Yeah, and um, and it, the, it is, the data also does support that um, for a two-income household where someone needs to be home full-time now to help with the kids' 
um, homeschooling essentially, it's the majority of the women are the ones that are stepping away from their jobs to do that um, over the husband in the house too. So um, there's a lot of articles uh, that talk about that too, that we're actually losing a lot of women um, in the workforce because of that. Gotcha. So, and, and I know this is a hot topic right now, this whole diversity and inclusion, and it goes further than just women, but that's what we're focusing on today um, as far as the diversity and inclusion. So how can an employer incorporate gender equality and reduce that unconscious bias in the workplace? Uh, well, I think, and, and I know, you know, focusing on women you know, is, is important, but um, I think where a lot of the good nature of trying to be a more equitable uh, workforce is if a company is solely defining diversity and inclusion by having more women and by defining gender by defining it as gender diversity because mm -hmm. that's where you start losing um, uh, a lot of the ground that still needs to be um, covered for intersectionality. Um, so women that are both LGBTQ and, and identify as female or women that are both black and female. Um, that is where uh, when, you, when you're looking at some of the programs and, and some of the initiatives that are happening in the workplace where they're, they're losing sight that what their initiative does only benefits a, a certain percentage of the workforce. Um, because there are distinct differences if you are looking at intersectionality issues versus mm -hmm. solely gender diversity issues. So um, I would say that would be actually um, one of the areas in DE&I that, that I see um, some companies losing sight of, of the overall um, fact of what we're trying to do with DE&I is that it's you can't solely focus on gender diversity. It's it's a holistic approach because there are all types of people that are all um, affected in different ways. It's a very different lived experience if you are black and female versus if you're a white female versus if you're LGBTQ female. Um, and so it's it's being cognizant that um, that they that we're not, a, you know, people are not a monolith and that we need to be having these conversations and taking into consideration. Um, essentially, if you look at it from a data standpoint, it's, you know, micro segmentation, which mm. is pretty prevalent in marketing, um, is that there's, you know, pe people are not a monolith. And so micro segmentation helps you to listen to the distinct voices of different groups. It's the same thing when you're looking at DE&I um, of any scope for initiatives that you're trying to carry out. That is, that's really good. So what are the advantages of creating an environment that emphasizes gender equality and all inclusion, that holistic approach you were just talking about? Uh, I think, it, and this is where um, sometimes when you're, you're trying to get something started up in your workplace. If DE&I is uh, still an initiative that's talked about, but there hasn't been really any actions because everybody's afraid of, of messing up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think for, for one thing that's, it, yes, it's very difficult to, to um, especially um, if you feel like you're gonna get it wrong, but um, at least in with Let Her Speak, I mean, I stepped firmly out into this world 
being extremely intentional about being holistically inclusive of all types of women. And, um, you know, I, I get things wrong sometimes, but because of the conversations that I have, I, I'm able to continue because they know that my heart's in the right place of what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to do no harm. Um, but with the, um, with the benefits of it, um, I mean, you can look at the, the actual financial benefits where research has proven that, um, for example, in startup teams that have a diverse group of um, startup leaders, that they are actually much more likely to succeed and to actually um, continue to grow and thrive versus um, crashing and burning within their first couple of years of getting funding. Um, we look at the, the growth of any um, major corporation that has a diverse group on their board. You, you end up seeing that um, the, the growth and trajectory and the innovations that happen when you have a diverse board is beneficial. So um, if you're looking at the bottom, the bottom line or the ROI, um, a lot of studies, it's, hard to, it's difficult to argue with that um, you do not see a financial benefit. But then there's also the social benefit of uh, the fact that as human beings and in the society, why wouldn't we want to build a culture of inclusion? Why wouldn't we want to ensure that we're hearing from as many voices as possible um, because we all are different and we all come from our own um, perspectives. And so it can certainly enhance the overall environment of the community that you build within a workplace. I, I love that. And I was just sitting here thinking, I don't know, you tell me if this is a tactic of inclusion, but prior to COVID, every Friday, my team and I would go to lunch together. And it wasn't a requirement, but it kind of was. But it was because I wanted everybody to sit down and basically break bread together and just have that time where, you know, because sometimes in the office spaces you have, you know, I'm only going to lunch with him and you can't go, let's run out, you know, that kind of thing. And so I wanted one day a week where everybody was included. How's that mm -hmm. for an inclusion strategy? Um, that can work. It, it, it really just depends on the nuances of the culture. And uh, so I've had, you know, some panels that, that I've listened in on where, um, you know, black women, Hispanic women have talked about uh, the issues of um, sometimes at this intersectionality when they're trying to build inclusion through uh, affiliate networks. And they, they usually are um, managers and executors are trying to push them into being in the, the black affiliate group um, because they don't so much feel like they belong in the women affiliate group, even though they're, they're a part of both. Um, and they talked about some of these where it's supposed to be an all-inclusive, everybody's invited, but you know you don't have to go, but really it looks poorly on you if you don't wanna go. And if they truly don't feel like they're being seen and heard and valued in the company culture, that can backfire sometimes. So it just depends on, on a daily basis what are you as an organization doing to ensure that every employee at every level is being seen, heard, and valued? Their voice, they feel comfortable sharing exactly what's going on. They don't have to code switch and pretend to be somebody else in the workplace when they're really somebody else outside. Um, and so sometimes that, it, the, doing those lunches can be helpful as long as you've done the work to build up that culture in these daily, um, consistent activities that you're doing to ensure a inclusive culture. I love that. And, you know, and I think 
for my part, I think we did for sure because you know everybody really kind of looked forward to the Friday lunches, right? Um, and, and I joke and I said that it was not required, but was, but everybody kind of looked forward to it. So that was interesting. So we are starting to run out of time, but I do want to ask you one more question before we get to our VIP questions. And that is, what is the, what advice can you share with other women to help them inspire the change and facilitate deeper conversations within their own organization? Uh, so one of the, the things that I talk about a lot is the, the way that change usually happens it's, it's always slow and and um, but at one point it, it sometimes hits exponential growth but change has to start from the inside out so it first has to start with you and you becoming comfortable with having these difficult conversations you know are you comfortable with sitting across from uh, somebody else who has a very different lived experience very different idea and perspective and having a conversation with them where you might not see eye to eye on things, but you're willing to listen and respectfully and, and have those, those difficult conversations just with one person. Um, and so once you, you start working internally with, with the changes that you see and, and becoming more self-aware, that then can, can grow into, now let's look at internally for my organization. Um, it could be your, your individual team. Let's look at the team. What are changes that we can make from the inside out that then can leap over to my department that then could potentially leap over into my actual company and, and the community that we have within the company. Um, so I, it's never that you're going, you're not gonna change an entire company culture or organization overnight. That's, that's not gonna happen but you can change yourself. Um, you can consistently dedicate that you're going to be doing the work on a regular basis. Um, so I, I, I always focus on consistency, following through, setting goals, and knowing that, that change is difficult and it's slow, but it's worth it. That was so good. I hope everybody was listening to that hit rewind. If you missed any bit of that, that was some little golden nuggets right there for you. So. All right, Catherine, that has been amazing information. Are you ready for our VIP questions? I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Uh, so definitely my husband and my dog. They, um, I, I don't think I could live anywhere without those, those oh. two creatures in my life. <laughs> Um, and then I would say um, the third thing would be um, a, a, a sketchbook and a pencil. Because uh, to entertain myself, like I'm, I'm assuming that there's nothing for entertainment up there. So my, my husband and I both draw and rewrite. So at least we could write our own stories and entertain each other. Oh, that is so interesting. I just learned something new about you that you like to draw. I do. That's so cool. I can't draw at all. It's not pretty. <laughs> I didn't say I'm good at it. <laughs> I was drawing draw a sketch the other day and I had to have people. I just drew circles. That's all yeah. I can draw. <laughs> it's my representation of people. So this, I, I don't know, I say this every time and it changes about which one is my favorite question, but I really do like this question. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I drink tea and I take my vitamins. 
every morning. Um, so actually my, my husband and I now built this into the routine that um, he, he has to leave the house right as I need to wake up for the day. So he makes my tea, sets it on my nightstand with my two gummy um, vitamins. And that's how I start my day every morning is with a kiss goodbye from him, my hot tea and my vitamins. Um, so that's kind of become like a, okay, I you know, have now shown that I am loved and I am taking care of myself. And so those are the main two things that I need to check in and make sure that happens every day. That is so sweet. I love that. <laughs> um, that I, I just don't even know where to go from there. Oh, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, good guy. Hang on to him. Um, so my final question: If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Uh, so this one, I really like this question. Um, I in my grad school we had to come up with a book title if we were, if there was ever gonna be a book written about us. And Ooh. I chose the title, She Spoke, was going to be my book title. And I think that that would be the newspaper article as well, would be She Spoke. Um, because it's, it essentially summarizes everything that I think my, my work has, has led to was that I finally um, instead of being a whisper in the back of the room of like, well, you should really be doing this, but I don't say it out loud. I'm actually saying it out loud. That just gave me chills when you <laughs> said that. That was so perfect. I love it. I love it so much. How do people find you? Uh, they can go to our website, letherspeakus.com. Uh, and then we also are on LinkedIn under Let Her Speak, on Instagram under Let Her Speak, and on Facebook. That is so fun. Any any fun events coming up in the near future? Uh, actually, we're doing a holiday scavenger hunt that we're going to be launching in a couple weeks. And uh, you can do it either virtually or uh, we're, we're also doing an in-person one for the Knoxville community. Um, the in-person one or the virtual one, you just go to websites for it. But it's to highlight women-owned businesses that are a part of the Let Her Speak community. That is great. That is so awesome. So, well, Catherine, this has been so much fun. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk to me today and just to, you know, share what you've learned over the years. And thank you for not being that whisper anymore. Thanks for standing up in the front of the room. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. <laughs> thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.